Good morning and welcome back to The Word. My name is Mitchell Weber. If this is the first time that you're joining us, uh, welcome back. If you're a long-time listener, we're back. Um, Cora and I have just recently graduated as of uh, the, May, the 6th of May, excuse me. So we have finally reached <laughs> that first uh, light at the end of the tunnel. We still have our boards to pass. Uh, we have to pass what's called the NAPLEX and the MPJE, it's just a fancy acronym for a law exam for the state of Ohio. So we are right now studying diligently to uh, try and pass those in a one-time one time go here. Uh, so we would greatly appreciate all your prayers. Um, it was a fantastic weekend. We had a ton of family down here, um, and it was just uh, just a wonderful time to just hang out and fellowship and uh, move. <laughs> we uh, we actually moved into a new apartment complex uh, that day after uh, a th- the hooding ceremony. That was the I think that was the fifth of May. Excuse me. So we we got our our doctoral hoods on the fifth of May, and then official graduation we'll say is on the sixth. But uh, we packed up and moved everything after the hooding ceremony on the 5th. Uh, I think that was a Friday, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that was a long day. <laughs> we uh, were, on, uh, were on the third floor at the new place, so we had a lot of steps to cover. And I think my father said somewhere in like 37 or 40 range. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it was a lot <laughs> at the end of the day. But... Uh, we pretty much got everything packed up and moved that day, and uh, we are extremely blessed to have been able to have all of our family there to help us out. So if any of them are listening again, thank you for uh, for pitching in. We, uh, we could not have done that without you. That would have been easily a month-long project uh, for myself if uh, I would have been doing that alone. So I really appreciate you all. Um, but yes, this morning we are back in Book of Psalms. And we're coming back to Psalm 7, so you might have seen the note I put in the description. I completely skipped over it. Um, I had no idea what was going through my mind. Uh, when I was looking at the upload page, I think I had seen episode 7, and I did not read uh, Psalm 6. Six. It was Everything is offset by 1, um, and that threw me for a loop. <laughs> So I, I had notes written out for Psalm 7 and just didn't do it. So we are we are back. We're going to cover Psalm 7. So we're going back a chapter because last last time we were together, we covered Psalm 8. So today we'll call it, cover Psalm 7. And I think, I've been saying this a lot, I'm going to really try and stick through my word uh, here. I think we're going to stop after Psalm chapter 7 here and... Uh, I think we might open up something else, uh, give Psalms a little break for a little bit, and we'll come back to it here in a little while. But I think it, this is a, a good stopping point uh, for a short break from the Psalm series. So, like always, we will go ahead and read and then pray, and we'll dive right in. All right, this is Psalm chapter 7. This is the word of the Lord. O Lord my God, In you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me, lest they tear me like a lion, rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver. 
O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have repeat evil to him who is at peace with me, or have plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Yes, let him trample my life to the earth and lay my honor in the dust. O arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up because of the rage of my enemies. Rise up to me to the judgment you have commanded. So the congregation of the peoples shall surround you. For their sakes, therefore, return on high. The Lord shall judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity within me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. My defense is of God who saves the upright heart. God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he does not turn back, he will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out. He has fallen into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come, come down on his own crown. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. That is the word of God. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, we, uh, we come before you, and we praise you this morning for yet another beautiful morning, for allowing us to wake up. Lord, to take another breath. It is humbling and a blessing to be able to do this, Lord. And I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share what you are teaching me and what I am learning as we walk through the book of Psalms. Lord, I just ask that this morning anything I say or do, God, I pray it is of you. Lord, I pray that if I say anything that is of my own opinion or thought or could lead someone astray. God, I pray that it just goes in one ear and out the other, Lord. My my hope and wish is only your word to go forth and not mine own, Lord. So God, I just lift this time up to you. I lift, I lift up the listeners. God, I ask that you keep them safe, whether they're driving into work or just waking up, Lord. I pray that uh, you are with them. You are guarding their hearts, Lord. Father, that if they don't know you, that they are, you are working on their hearts. Lord, I pray for true salvation for those. Help us to strengthen one another, Lord. Help us to lift one another up as we are to do as brothers and sisters in Christ in this ever so chaotic world, Lord. God, again, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful day and ask that you bless it. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Alrighty, so Psalm Psalm chapter 7. Go ahead, and if you have your Bible, make sure you're open to that. We will be jumping really quickly over to Isaiah 57, but uh, this morning we're in Psalm 7. And uh, depending on what kind of Bible you have, uh, you might have a little title up above there. It might say, Prayer and Praise for Deliverance from Enemies. Uh, some might say something different, but that's what's in mind. But that's uh, it's an interesting... It's an interesting chapter. Psalm 7 is an interesting passage, right? David is in a situation where a certain person called Cush, a Benjamite, had been telling and spreading false rumors of David, and some pretty serious, uh, as we have seen, 
And if we take into context how David is responding here in this chapter to how the how he's writing, and I specific, specifically say Cush, a Benjamite, because that is what was reported. Um, I think they technically consider that part of verse 1 where it says the meditation of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. Um, we don't have, from my understanding, a lot of history on Cush the Benjamite. Um, from the research, when I was able to read up on, um, this was uh, an enemy of David, basically. And Cush was going around saying some pretty terrible things about David to many people, uh, many of David's followers, many of David's uh we'll say non-followers, his enemies, people that didn't really like him, people that liked him. He's just going around saying a bunch of things that were not true, were slanderous, uh, to the point, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but it's kind of important to grasp this in context of this chapter, people that were uh, literally pursuing David now for his own life, literally seeking to kill him, basically. And what's really interesting about this is some of those people that were after him were some of his own loyalists as well. Some of the people that revered David and loved him and liked him as a king, they listened to the words of Cush here and said, well, wait a minute, that's terrible. I can't believe David did that. We're going after him. So not even giving them the benefit of the doubt, not giving him a chance from my understanding to, um, to, give a statement to at least try to clear his name or say, hey, whatever you guys are doing, whatever this guy is saying is completely wrong. They didn't give him that chance, but they literally pursued him. And you can kind of see it in the first few verses of the language here that David uses. But that's actually kind of our first stop for today, how to respond. It might not be easy, but it's a choice to respond correctly, right? So think back to the last time someone was speaking illy of you and it got back to you. How did you respond? There was a, this happened to uh, myself and my wife, who was at the time my girlfriend. There were some false rumors being spread. I just think back to that time, some of the things that were being said that got back to me. Thankfully, we were able to uh, address the situation and uh, something amazing came out of it. But um, it hurts, it's hard. But I'm in no way going to compare that to what David was going through because what David was going through was quite literally far worse as he had people literally pursuing him to take his life. So let's look first then at how David responded here in verse 1. We see right away that David proclaims it's a proclamation of God as Lord. He says, you are my boss. I am your servant. I will do your will. I will heed your command and come to you when I do illy, when I do wrong, Lord, I'm coming to you, you're my first stop, you're, you're the first person, you're the only person I'm coming to when I, when I do wrong, or when I even do well as well. We're told to rejoice in the Lord, to praise Him for the blessings in our life. We're also supposed to come to Him when we stumble, when we fall in, in true repentance, to come back to the Lord. So we, we see right away that David is saying, O Lord, my God, and then he follows it up with, in you, I put my trust. So he's saying, my trust is in you, Lord. So David David says, my trust is something that the Lord owns. 
He has never failed in his word or promise, so there's no reason why I shouldn't put my trust in him. I have only failed to seek his will and timing, and sometimes get angry when it's not my will or timing. I'm sure we've all been there at some point in our lives where we get to a good spot spiritually, and then we start to get a little frustrated because things might not be going our way or not according to the timing, the timetable that we have set before ourselves and it's because we've lost sight of the timing and the will of the Lord and that he is not rushing to anything but is following what he has set uh, before the Lord was even before the world excuse me was even formed but David is he's, he's saying some important things here he's laying the foundation that the Lord is his God and that his trust is in him this is something David carefully considered and knew very well that his trust wasn't just going to be in some random things, some untrustworthy things. He's putting his trust somewhere that is meaningful and that is lasting and that is sure. And I have a little little asterisks here in my notes. Uh, something I jotted down. In essence, David is saying, I trust you, God. To deliver my vessel, that means his being, from my pursuers, or, if it so be, deliver my soul unto you. And we see that uh, in these later verses, but before we get to that, I don't, I don't want to jump ahead here. He says still in verse 1, save me, this is where I was kind of getting at with my asterisk, so I didn't jump ahead, I apologize. But he says, save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me. He says, save me, basically, from my persecutors, all that are after me, deliver me. And then following there in verse 2, lest they tear me apart like a lion and rend me in pieces while there is none to deliver. So this is the confidence David has in the Lord. It's going to go one way or another, right? But he knows that the Lord is his God and that his trust is in him. So this is David's initial response while being pursued. These lies that Cush had deceptively woven together was able to pull blind over many people, including David's own people, his, even his own supporters, and, the, and literally turn them against him and pursue him to take his life. It's just, it, it's crazy. But I mean, we, if we kind of take a step back from this, and this is kind of a, a, a bunny trail, Maybe, but if we if we take a step back, I mean, is this not what happened to Christ? I'm, I'm not trying to see something that's not in the text, but I can't help but stop. Like, after reading this chapter specifically in Psalm, I can't stop but help but think that this is, this, this reminds me of what happened to Christ, right? Christ came, he was born of a virgin, and... He lived the perfect life, the perfect example for us. And yet, one of his own followers and, and many people, his own children, right? The people that he came to die for, they turned on him. I'm not saying his disciples, one did, Judas. But when you look at it from God's perspective, he has created all mankind. All are his children. That doesn't mean 
everybody is saved, but to, to, to see that your own children, those you have created, have turned against you and has rejected you, I cannot imagine the weight that must carry to see that, like, my goodness, even my own family has turned against me. Right? David was a good king. He cared for his people. He loved them. He likened them as his own. But can you imagine your own, your own, maybe your own family coming after you to kill you because of some person spreading lies about you? Yet David did not curse God. Why? Going back to verse 1. God was his Lord, and David put his trust in him. I'll say it again. God was his Lord. His trust was in him. David did not trust people to get himself to heaven. Anyone listening today, please, anyone listening today, hurt by people, especially by us in the church, don't allow their hurt to push you away from Christ. It's, it's a hard thing, and we're not perfect. We are all sinners, and I'm not trying to soften those blows or little them down to nothing. But but don't allow their hurt to push you away from Christ. David knew David knew this. He was a sinner. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and then silently killed her uh, husband on the front lines of battle. He sent him to the front lines of a suicide mission. But David knew he needed a savior for his trust. David knew full well that man was not capable of granting him access into heaven because he himself had done some pretty terrible things. But he repented. He turned from his sin and asked for forgiveness and trusted in the Lord. David knew he needed a Savior. That is why he says, O Lord my God, in you I put my trust. He trusts God wholly and his promises to deliver him. And so he proclaims his standing before God and where his allegiance lies. So in verse 3, excuse me, in verse 3, David is honest before the Lord. In verses 3 through 5, David relays humility. He says, God, if I ever paid evil for peace, or if I've gone to plunder without cause, let them destroy me. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a bold statement, right? Raise your hand. I can't see it, but raise your hand if you're willing to pray like that. David was bold in saying, God, if this is so, if I have if I have done something evil, if if I have repaid evil for good, whatever it might be, Lord, let them strike me down. It's basically what he's saying. He was that confident that he did not do these things, that these were lies from hell. But he said, God, I trust you. I don't know why this is happening, but Lord, if it's happened, if I have done this, let them take me. I trust you. I trust in you. David believed what? Holy in God, knowing full well this might just happen, but he also knew he served a just God. I can't help but think, <laughs> I have to include this, I can't help but think in your Bibles, there should be, uh, after verse 5, there should be a Selah, 
uh, after verse five, it's like there might be a little bit of a big space, or it might just come immediate after that that uh, verse. But uh, say law is like pause or or break uh, to kind of stop and recollect and think, or maybe pray, or just take a breather. Man, it's just interesting that it comes after verse 5, uh, maybe for David to see what might happen. I mean, <laughs> I'm not trying to laugh. I don't know if there's humor in that, so forgive me if you don't think this is, is somewhat uh, interesting to read. That pause comes after that prayer he just prayed. Let the enemy overtake. Let the enemy pursue me and overtake me. Yes, let him trample my life to the earth and lay my honor in the dust. That's what the verse reads as. And I just can't help but think if David stopped, he's like, okay, the Lord's either going to strike me down, or I'm going to be able to keep, or I'm going to keep writing. And uh, again, that's just my mind wandering. But uh, we continue reading. He picks up in verse six. Uh, so he lived. All right, good. <laughs> David, David lived. Um, but in verse 6 through 8, David makes some strongly worded statements. He says, number one, arise, Lord, in your anger. Two, lift yourself up because of mine enemies. Three, rise up for me to your commanded judgment. But then he says, return on high for their sakes. The Lord shall judge the righteousness in me according to my integrity, and he will judge the people. He makes some bold statements calling upon the Lord to action. The injustice surrounding him moved him to this. You might even think David is uh, kind of making some accusations of inactivity. Like, Lord, come on, get going. You need to do something because this is going on. Why aren't you doing anything? But the Lord doesn't sleep. This I love this quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon to kind of address some of these things David's saying here. Verses 6 through, I think it's uh, verse 8. But he says this, Spurgeon says this, this is not my own, this is Spurgeon. God's silence is the patience of long-suffering, and if wearisome to the saints, they should bear it cheerfully in the hope that sinners may thereby be led to repentance. Man, that is a good quote. Um, this is a brilliant man, but how true is that? that even if it's worrisome to the saints, it's worrisome to us, bear it cheerfully in the hope that sinners may be led to repentance. I mean, that is our hope. Our our mission here on earth, our purpose, it is littered throughout the Bible, but the Bible isn't about us, it's about Christ. But we are image bearers. We we are supposed to be salt and light of the earth. We are to bring the word to all corners so that the lost might get a chance to hear the word of God and make that decision to either pursue the Lord in full obedience and repentance or to turn away and choose wickedness. But that is our, that is our hope. It might be burdensome. You might get extremely tired. But bear it cheerfully, friends, that sinners might be led to repentance. I'm going to get off my soapbox there. But in verses 9 to 10, David gives reasons for his words that he just said there in those prior verses. God tests the hearts and minds, and God is his defense, David's defense. God is David's defense. God saves the upright in heart. Upright meaning what? Upright meaning sincere, being true repentance 
and obedience to God. He saves the upright heart. He saves those that are serious, if that's the correct word to put it, serious in their, we'll say, relationship to God. And I say serious, I'm not... When I say serious, it's those that are truly seeking after the will of God and truly seeking to be obedient to Him. It's not it's not those that are trying to use this to, uh, you know, up their popularity or influence on people. I would say that's the complete wrong way to do this. That I, I would not suggest doing that because you are looking for that self-glory and pursuing something for your own cause. And that is not okay. Um, in fact, that is quite sinful and the Lord does not smile upon that. But he saves the upright in heart, those who are serious about being all in, basically, for the Lord, trying to be obedient to his word, trying to live out the will that is upon their lives, that, that God has placed there, trying to live out that mercy and grace and hope that they've experienced, sharing that with others. Because, friends, believe it or not, that when you experience that love of God, that mercy of God, to see how desperately we are in need of a Savior, I mean, the response, the overwhelming response that is in our hearts that just flows over is a desire to share that with everyone. Because how on earth could I keep something like that, that hope of eternity with the Lord to myself and not share with anybody else. Uh, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. But David says all this because he then divulges characteristic of God. And that characteristic is his wrath. Maybe this was to uh, comfort the oppressed being David, or maybe this was to warn his oppressors but verses 11 to 16 is a pretty clear depiction of the sweeping, unimpeded wrath to come from a just God. I mean, just read uh, with me or hear what David has to say here. He says, God is a just God, and God is angry with the wicked every day. And that is a literal day there. God is angry with the wicked every day. There's not a day go by that God isn't angry with them. And that is a characteristic of God there. If he does not turn back, this is verse 12, that means if the sinner does not turn back from his wicked ways, his sin, it says God will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. The Lord is battle ready. And he is coming to pour out his wrath on sin in this world. And if you choose to stay in that and reject the Lord, this is what is coming for you. And I just, friend, if you're listening and you're not saved and maybe you're questioning, these are very vivid uh, verses, but we're not going to downplay the wrath that is coming because this is true. And this is true for those that choose to reject the Lord. And many people ask, well, how can a just, how can a loving God do this to people? Well, I'd ask that question to you. How can you choose to love sin and this destruction when there is a clear alternative here, that is Christ? I mean, 
one of the things my wife has told me over and over and over again that I think is so true is if you were wrong, wouldn't you want to know? I mean, let that sink in. If you were wrong, would you not want to know? But the problem is that many people, I think, and I'm kind of making an assumption here, but I think it's true. I think there's some truth to it, is people don't want to know their sin because of the hurt that it brings. They'd rather stay comfortable in it. And that's I think that's the key word there is comfortability. They're comfortable in their sin. They don't want anybody to change that. They won't. They don't want to recognize that it's wrong, and submit. What a key word here. Submit their whole lives to somebody else, to something else. That something else being the Lord. They don't want that because they think it strips them of the joy of life and the fun of life, and it. it they think it's bigoted and 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 racist to to do so, but. It's quite the opposite, and it's clearly laid out in Scripture. And friend, I just I want to warn you that the wrath of God is coming, and these things, these things that David has written are true. But take heart in the fact that you have you st- we're 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 here right now. You have a chance. You still have some time to repent and trust in the Lord. And be saved. That is still a possibility right now. I'm not saying that uh, the Lord's going to be here today or tomorrow, but the way the world is going right now and the things that are happening, it's soon. It it's the Lord is coming soon. He's coming quickly, and it, it says that in Scripture. And I think Paul says it. Um, I don't remember where, but he says the Lord is returning swiftly. It'll be like a thief in the night. I don't remember if Paul says that or not, so don't quote me on that. I'm just remembering that as it comes to my mind. Um, but it's soon, and I just I urge you to make that decision. Reach out to me. Reach out to a friend that you know believes in Christ. Get with them. Make that decision today. It's one of the most important decisions. It is the most important decision, excuse me, that you will ever make in your entire life. But David continues on. He also prepares himself. This is verse 13. He also prepares himself. For himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. These are the this is this is David just explaining the wrath that is to come, that the Lord is going to do battle. And he's and he's coming quickly. Uh, I gotta see what I have in my uh, in my notes here. Um Yes, this is where we want to go into uh, Psalm, or excuse me, Isaiah fifty-seven. Um, this is in line with what we've been reading here in the in verses eleven to sixteen. In fact, we'll read verse fourteen to sixteen real quick. He says, "Behold, the wicked, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. He made a pit and dug it out, and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His trouble shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown." Verse sixteen is what we want to key in on here because in Isaiah fifty-seven, verse twenty-one. Isaiah says this specifically, and I'm pulling verse 21. You can read, I would encourage you to read uh, chapter 57. It is a, it is a moving chapter. Uh, there is encouragement, but there is also clear, clear warning in it as well. But Isaiah chapter 57, 21 says this, There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There is no peace, 
for the wicked. And that is evident and plain as day in verses 11 to 14, 11 to 16, excuse me, that battle is coming and the wicked, everybody is going to be judged and everyone will give an account for their sins. There's going to be obviously a clear distinction for those who have put their trust in Christ and those who have rejected him. There are two, there are two outcomes, either you're in heaven or you're in hell. And he, Isaiah says this, David says this, there is no peace for the wicked. And I think this is, this is important. The Lord will wage, wage war against the wicked, those who choose death over, over life. There is no peace for him. And I think this should do two things for us. Number one, it should, we should find comfort that we do not have to carry out judgment. Thank goodness. I, Mitchell Weber, you who are listening, do not have to carry out judgment. The Lord handles that. That is the Lord's. And number two, would you not want to warn others? Even those who you might not like, that the war, there is war coming. Remember, were we too like them before we came to Christ? I mean, think about it. We, we kind of picked up on this a little bit uh, not too long ago. But would I... When, when, when I experience the mercy and love and forgiveness of God, would I not want to take that and share it with others, as well as these clear warnings of wrath as well, of what is coming? Would I not want to... Yeah, there's, there's, there's a right and a wrong way. We don't want to be hellfire and brimstone, but we, we certainly need to be stern and... Uh, not holding anything back in how we warn people. I'm not going to come up to somebody on the street and say, well, if you don't believe in Christ, you're going to hell. I mean, yeah, that's true, but I'm going to turn somebody away real quick. That's not how we get people to listen, right? But would I not want to take this beautiful thing that I have come to know and share it with other people? I think this this should absolutely cause us especially verses 11 to 16, this should cause us to do so. And I read a few commentaries on it. Some people think that David may have potentially been right. Who knows? We don't know if this has been written for himself to comfort himself or to give heed, give a warning to those who potentially might read this, his oppressors or people like us today. But he wrote this still because he is concerned about souls still. And he is writing this saying, hey, change. Change your minds. Listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to what God has to say. Because again, it is one of the most important It is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. And as we come to a close, let's not jump over these last uh, few verses. Um, how many of us have, we'll say, quote unquote, eaten our own words, right? It's come back to kind of bite us in the butt. I have came back, uh, came back to me in a negative way before for sure. But look at verses, uh, 15 and 16 again with me. Uh, he made a pit and dug it out and has fallen into the ditch, which he made his trouble shall return upon his own head and his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. 
the pit our false accusers dig for us to fall into, they dig unto themselves unknowingly. I want to pause here for a minute. Christian, I wrestled with this. I talked to my wife about it. I'm going to share some of the things we talked about, some of my thoughts about this. But Christian, you do not have to attend every battle. Some of you might disagree with that, and that's okay. But uh, battles like these, I would argue that let your character integrity speak. Let your God be your defense. As David said, he says, God, you are my defense. You may have to give an account at some point. It might come back to you. Whatever it is, these false accusations or lies might be, but so be it. But who alone knows the hearts of men? Who knows the hearts, the individual heart? Who knows everything, all time, past, present, and future? The Lord. I say all this because I'm sure there are many people listening. If I'm, I might even be so bold to say that this has probably happened to all of us at some point in our lives where somebody has started some rumors about us. And they spread like wildfire. And they went and they, everybody got involved. I'm not going to sit here and say that. No, I, I will say that this it's never happened to me to the point where people have pursued me for my life, like David. But, but think about it in David's shoes for a second where he literally had people coming to try and kill him because of lies that were told about him from a specific person. What did David do? Did David go and wage war with every single person that was told this? No. I don't know that it would have been wise for him to do so because people were literally trying to pursue him to kill him. I don't know that he would have really had much to say to them because they weren't going to listen anyway. They just wanted to kill him. He went to God first, and he went to him in prayer. I think we can learn something from that, and it's hard because we as fallen sinful beings so desperately want justice, especially for ourselves. I am definitely guilty of that. I'll be the first to raise my hand, so forgive me if I made a general assumption there. But desperately wanting to correct that, what, for my own reputation? We can be like David here and saying in the first couple of verses, say, Lord, if I have done this evil thing, let my pursuers overtake me. But Lord, I know what is true, I know what is not true, so my trust is in you. And can't that be enough for us? My wife and I, we discussed this on our, our walk back from our, uh, our little Kroger trip. Um, and I, I kind of posed that question, or do we need to attend every battle? Do I need to, you know, try and shoot down these lies? And we both came to the consensus that you don't necessarily have to, no. What, what good does it do? Because people are going to believe what they want to believe, and they're going to hear what they want to hear. And if it is, unfortunately, ill will against you, and they're not willing to actually question, okay, is this true of that person? They're not willing to confront you? It might be pearls before swine at that point, my friends. And it might just be best to go to the Lord first in prayer, maybe only in prayer, and say, Lord, I trust you in this situation. Lord, if 
it needs to be confronted, so be it. Give me the words to speak, ears to hear, eyes to see. But I'm going to let you be the judge, Lord. I'm going to let you deal with the situation. I trust you. You may not understand really what's going on. It's This is much easier to say than, than to do, I think, sometimes. But I think it's I think it's probably one of the more correct responses. People are going to say what they want to say and believe what they want to believe, unfortunately. When it when it's when it's lies, ill will against somebody. But trust in the Lord. Seek Him first. I think we can learn something from David here. Uh, some of the clear warnings that are in Scripture of what is to come upon those that dig graves for us to try and get us to fall into. Uh, but they're digging them for themselves, unfortunately. And that we can pray for a repentance upon their lives and that they will seek the Lord. But uh, this chapter is about the Lord. It's about who He is in terms of our lives. The characteristics of His wrath. And what is to come upon those who continue to choose wickedness. So I urge all of us today, number one, to take the mercy and grace and forgiveness that we are shown on a daily basis. Because we don't know when our last day is, whether the Lord returns or we're called home. But to share the good news of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we can end with David here as he says in verse 17, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. I think we can do that today. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you're going through. You might be going through some valleys. You might be on some mountain peaks rejoicing. But I pray that our focus is intently upon the Lord, no matter our situation, no matter the chaos around us, no matter the lies around us. I pray and hope that our, our eyes are upon the Lord. Appreciate you guys listening in this morning. Um, this is this is a good chapter. It's kind of a hard chapter, but it's a good chapter. It's the, the word of the Lord is wonderful, especially I, I love I love the love the entire Bible. I keep saying this about all the chapters that we read, but I love Psalm chapter seven. This is a great chapter. Um, lots to learn. Something to definitely keep on our minds and hearts daily. I hope this has been encouraging to you as it's been encouraging to me. Um, I love you all. Again, we will be moving into something a little bit different um, the next time we meet together. But I appreciate you all. I love you all. Praying for you all. God bless.